Hello, friends. Welcome to the Can't Lab Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Dr. Dustin Howard. Dr. Dustin Howard is the founder and chief trainer and therapist for Dr. Dustin Howard Physical Therapy, where they provide concierge physical therapy and personal training for active adults to move from painful to pain-free and fit. But first, a reminder, we are launching the first ever book club on the KLP, and I think this should be really great, actually. Basically, a group of us will read one book per month, and at the end of the month, we'll discuss the book together on the podcast. It's totally free, and you can join from anywhere in the world. Visit kentlap.com forward slash KLP book club to learn more. Expect to have a great time, meet other interesting people, and engage in reading, learning, and discussion. So check it out now, kentlap.com forward slash KLP book club. If you like to read and learn and discuss interesting ideas, I think you will like this. Go to kentlap.com forward slash KLP book club to sign up now. That is all. So now give it up for Dr. Dustin Howard. Please enjoy. Dr. Dustin Howard, welcome, my man. What's up? Thank you yeah, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming by. I'm yeah. excited. Same here. So uh, the book you just pulled out of your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, save this for the podcast. Um, Anatomy Trains. Correct. Why'd you bring the book? What's going on with this? So this book, um, honestly, it has shaped a lot of what I've done in recent years on how I approach people, how I work with people, literally how I train people. Um, so I'm a physical therapist and personal trainer. That's what I do. And uh, it really does a great job of describing how intimately connected the body is with itself. Mm. So the body is comprised of muscle, bone, ligaments, tendons, nerves, fill in the blank, connective tissue, lots of other things, uh, lots of organ systems. But one of the most neglected uh, systems is actually the fascial system. Uh, and that's what this book talks about. Uh, it talks about myofascial lines and meridians. And, uh, I mean, I'll just pull one for you real quick. Um, and as you're doing that, what is that? What is a myofascial <clears throat> line yeah. or, or meridian? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll just roll off this one. This is called the spiral line. Basically, it is a line of muscle and fascia. So fascia, think of it like this. I always tell people, take, the, take a piece of chicken, like a chicken breast, right? Peel the skin back and a little filmy layer. That's what you're dealing with. That's fascia right there, in essense, okay? Uh, if you peel the slimy. skin back, mm -hmm. so then you have that little... little slimy layer in between. Sure. Kind of okay. sticky. Yep. Now, okay. there's, there's two different types of fascia, though. Um, you have one that's the dense fascia that's the deep fascia, and it's very thick. It's very hard to change that. It takes 2,000 pounds of force to change that. Um, so unless you're, you know, put an alligator, alligator bite force on it, you're really not going to do much to that one. On the human bite? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It takes a lot to deform that. Um, but if you talk about the superficial layer of fascia, that's different. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have basically like the stacking of fascial layers and it goes right up under the skin. So you got um, the skin layers, you have the dermis, epidermis, all the other fun stuff that we all learned in anatomy. Um, and basically you go down below that, you have the fascial layers that sit right above the, the muscle. Mm -hmm. What's really cool is in muscle, we have this stuff called epimycium, perimycium, and endomycium. Um, and what that is, is basically how the fascia starts to blend into the muscle, okay? Mm -hmm. And then what's really, really cool is that you go down to the tendon and you have the same thing only at the tendon level. And then that blends into the bone. 
Okay. Mm. Um, so you have uh, epi, uh, epiosteum, periosteum, endo, different layers, all this other stuff as well. Layers of fascia or that's underneath the fascia? It's kind of how everything blends together. I see. Okay. So it's not just like a hard, like, okay, we have a screw into the bone. It, yeah. That ain't how it works. Yes, okay? I see. It's like a blending of tissue in and then that's how everything's connected. Okay. Um, so it's to uh, the, the old model, like when you think about the skeleton, right? There's screws and stuff on the yeah. skeleton. It don't work like yeah. that. Okay? <laughs> it does not work like that It'd at be, all. We'd all be beeping going no, through you'd be going like scanners. this. Like, all right, this is all I can do. Right, wait a minute. No, 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 it can't go that way. No. And but that's the truth. Like if you ever tried to range a skeleton's shoulder, it don't work very good. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that right? is something I've thought of before is just how the design behind the human body is it's mind blowing Yeah. because look at the fluidity of that movement. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh. the fact that you can go out, we were hiking in Arizona a few weeks ago and the fact that we could go out and hike for miles and then come back and take a rest, eat a burger and go out and hike again for miles. And you don't like have to like do an oil change. You don't have yeah. to inject like <laughs> lubricants into your hip. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the body yeah. just, it's its you, own natural. It's system. so natural. It's a cra- yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So the, the fascial system itself is, um, <clears throat> I always tell people, it's one of the most highly innervated sensory systems in the entire body. It really is. Um, so think of, it, think of it this way. Like if you, you can move your skin around really easy, like there are certain parts of, like say you have an injury, right? Uh, let's just take scar tissue, for example. Everybody knows, like, if you, if you get a surgery, you have scar tissue, right? You get a cut, boom, now all of a sudden you have a scar, like, say you had an ACL tear, right? Prime example, a lot of people have had those. Um, you know, you'll have the little boreholes that they do, and they put the scope in, and they do the thing. Or if you had a patella tendon graft, then you have this linear scar that goes right on the front of your, your patella, like mm-hmm. your kneecap, down to uh, the, the bone, down below that. Well, oftentimes what will happen is that scar will bear down. Okay, what's really interesting is oftentimes the scar gets neglected, and so it starts to bear down. I'll what do you, you mean bear down? Like it, it gets caught. Like so, I mean, basically you, you develop these adhesions under the skin that sit on the underlying tissue. So like, mm. you know, if, if I'm talking about my knee right here, mm-hmm. right? Um, if we're talking about like a patella tenograph, like for example, I'm throw my leg up on here. Yep. You can see. Um, but basically, if right here, if I have a scar there, mm-hmm. they take a bony plug out of here, a bony plug out of here, and now all of a sudden they use that as the graft. But they pull it out. What happens is anytime you cut the skin open, you're going to have scar tissue, always. Um, the body has, is like, it freaks us like, all right, we got to fix this. So let's, mm-hmm. let's just chunk a bunch of connective tissue and, and everything right there because we got we to fill this void that's here now. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so oftentimes what happens is you get a little bit of hypertrophic growth in there and it will bear down, okay? It actually adheres down. And uh, you can ask my friend uh, Michael and Cassie about that. Okay. Uh, that they, uh, they're very familiar with scar tissue. <laughs> I'll leave it like that. Okay? <laughs> um, not, not that there's been any experience with me uh, yep. regarding that. No. Anyways, um, so in essence what happens is that scar gets tied up uh, and it won't move well. Well, what's interesting is because it's a highly sensory innervated uh, system, sometimes you'll have referral patterns of pain that are really like nervy and mm. real funny. The uh, patella tendon graft is one in particular um, on athletes that have had ACLs and stuff like that. If you entrap the, the uh, saphenous nerve right there, you can have this searing pain that goes. Oh, acts, I see. 
it almost acts like sciatica, but it's not. Uh, okay. It's a full pattern. Is the pain going down this fascia at that point? Uh, it could. Uh, okay. Possibly. It, or it could be going down a dermatome. Um, I see. Most likely it'll be going down like a, a fascial line or something like that. Mm. Another example is a lady that had a total hip. I saw her. She acted like she had sciatica. She was bent over. And she was having this excruciating pain in her buttock. And they would look at the MRI. They're like, you got a blown disc. You're about to have another surgery. You'd already have two. And I was like, something isn't right. Hmm. And then I, I, I something is my like in my gut. I really feel like it was God, like Holy Spirit, was just saying, "Hey, take a look at this," hmm. um, and ask this question because I heard she had had a total hip, and I said, "Okay, she'd yeah. already had a total hip." Yeah, she'd already I had see. a total hip. Yep. And so I asked her, "I said, what kind of total hip did you have? Was it, what approach was it the front? Was it the side? Where where did it go?" And she said, "It was on the front." And she happened to be bent over. So I'm going to stand up real mm-hmm. quick. Um, but basically, she, was, she came in like this, and she couldn't stand up. Mm-hmm. She was turned to one side like that. And that's how she was moving. She could not get out of that position. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, if it's okay with you, I'm going to actually look at your scar. Has anybody looked at it? And she's like, no. Uh, why would they look at my scar? Well, let's just see. And so we looked at the scar, which is right in, like, kind of where the hip flexor is uh, on the leg. And sure enough, Like that's, how long, just for reference? Like, just like a, so the scar, oh, I would okay. say, you know, a few Five, inches. Five, six inches? Yeah, okay. a, few, a few inches long. Okay. And um, anyway, so I went to check the scar. It was like me trying to move this table. Oh, okay. It wouldn't move. It was oh, hard. Oh, Wow. And, uh, and so I took my, um, I have this, what's called IASTM tools, instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization. Um, that's what the, the acronym stands for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a silicone attachment that I use for specifically scars. Excuse me. And so we put it on there and then I started moving it and the skin started finally moving. Broke it loose. You could feel it going under no my tool. No way. Yeah. You could, you could like totally feel it. What's it breaking it. loose from? So the that bone, fascial or? layers. So it goes oh, back okay. to the thing we're talking about. <clears throat> so because it creates that those adhesions through the fascial layers, wow. and it bears it down on the under, whatever it is underlying. It could be muscle, could be bone, could be whatever. I see. You know, it just depends on what's under it. Um, and so for her, we broke that loose, and um, and then as soon as we did that, she's like, "Oh, that feels better." I said, "Okay, we'll stand up." I did nothing to her back. Zero. Not one. I mean, touched her back. She stood up and walked all over that clinic. Had zero pain. She stood up straight? Completely straight. She came in a little bent over, and you released the scar from whatever it was attached to, and she could stand up straight and walk around. Yep. Completely pain-free. My gosh, that's that's crazy. And that was one session. (laughs) Wow. But was that, it painful when you're breaking the scar loose? Did that hurt her? Or actually, no? No, no, no it, there's it, not pain there. I mean, okay. it, it, was, it was uncomfortable uh, and felt like a stretch kind of thing, yep. but it wasn't really painful. And she was like, actually, it kind of feels good. Mm. You know, it was kind of, I always tell people, you'll feel like a stretchy pain. That's what I tell people. I see. Okay. Um, for the now, does part. she have to keep working that scar yes. or else it will reattach? Or once it's free, it's free? It's, depends. But I always tell people, you want to work the scar. And probably for the next six to eight months, you want to keep working it daily. Um, and it doesn't take long. Yes. Okay. I have a friend who ran straight into a stop sign or some kind of a metal sign mm-hmm. at like 530 in the morning doing a workout. Yeah, I don't know. This was, this was a while ago. 
he got a, you know, as you would expect, yep. a scar. And whoever fixed it up just told him, like, you know, just work it. Like, mm-hmm. work it. Just whenever you think about it, just kind of rub on it a little bit. Yeah. And um, so do you think that's why, like, trying to keep this the scar free from attaching yep. and just being this permanent kind of block that's just stuck on the head, is that why you would work that? So the skin takes a while to mature and heal. Um, so does bone, so does muscle. Anything that's had a trauma to it, it takes time. Mm. Bone, for like complete, and this depends on the density of the bone too, by the way. Uh, for like a bone, it's like, you know, say you're, you broke your ankle or whatever. It gets fixed. Now it's in a position where it can heal. Well, what we know about bone is it, it takes at least for remodeling. Now, I'm not talking about healing to where you can walk on it and all that kind of stuff. But for remodeling, it takes about a year. I see. For that whole thing, that the whole process to happen. Mm-hmm. Bone, uh, or excuse me, muscle, skin, tendons are, are like, tendons take longer than muscle because tendons are not as vascular. They don't have a good blood supply to them like muscle does. Mm. So if you think about like, if you've ever looked at an anatomy chart on muscle, muscle is red. It's beefy, right? Great blood supply. Tendons, what color tendons? If you look at a white. Yeah, they're white. Yeah. Okay, so they don't have as much vascularity to them at all. Yep. That's oftentimes why people will get a rotator cuff tear in their uh, supraspinatus is because uh, and it's on the tendon. Uh, and they, they get a, what we call, oh, what's the term? There it went. Uh, tendinosis. Okay. Perforations in the tendon. Okay. Yeah. I always think of the tendon as almost like a rope. Like a, like a, like there's not much, it's like, like it's almost like, a, I mean, obviously it's still like a, it's an organism, like it's still living or whatever, but right. just sort of like there's not much going on there except it's just like a connective thing. It, it's a connection point. There is a little bit of give to it, um, and you can, you can do some myofascial release and deep pressure release to tendons and help them, and I do that on people. Uh, like if they, if they come in and they're extremely tight, only on the tendon, the muscle belly itself feels okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do some work. I'll take my same tool, but I'll take mm-hmm. the silicone attachment off of it. And, uh, and we'll hit it. I wish I would have brought it with me. I didn't, I didn't bring my tool with me. Uh, but it's like this uh, stainless steel tool. It looks, like, it looks like, it looks like a torture device, but it's like, it's like, a, it has a hook on it. It goes back like this and they call it the Mohawk. Um, oh, okay. That's the name of it. Do you, do you hook the tendon and pull? No. Oh, well, you can, uh, if it needs it, but most of the time what you're going to do, and again, this goes back to fascia layers and everything else. Uh, but what you're going to do is you're going to take that, uh, the ISTM tool and imagine this is the blade on my finger, uh, like kind of where I'm going across, but you're mm. moving it back and forth along the tendon. Uh, and you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go all okay. over the place with it. Uh, and what we find is that when we do that, we create a little bit of an inflammatory response mm. uh, at the tendon, which allows the, if there is adhesions and stuff in there, it, says, it brings awareness to the body. Say, hey, uh, I need you to come in here and clean this up. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay, so this is why about eight weeks ago, probably seven or eight weeks ago now, I got a intercoastal muscle. I don't know if it was a tear or what oh. happened, but it was it was painful. It wasn't a cracked rib or anything, but it mm-hmm. was like a muscle, something going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that thing is only now getting healed. Like it yep. took like six, seven weeks. Yep. And uh, but I was at major family chiropractic and. Michael said to get like a butter knife yep. and sort of just scrape it yeah, on the yeah. muscle in between the rib. And he's, you know, because that would bring like cir- extra circulation yep. there and stuff like that. So that's, that's what you're talking about. That's it. So you did ISTM. That's what you did. Oh, okay. That you, like you literally, when you took the butter knife, um, you did ISTM. 
They are very familiar with ISTM now. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you get them into that? I might have. <laughs> nice. That's uh, great. I, I don't. I don't. Well, they may have done it before me, but but I'm, what are we looking at? I mean, yep. for people on YouTube, they might be able yep. to see this. Like, yep. this is skeleton with these. Yep. So, what, what, so this is this is connective fascia tissue. Is that what this is? So, like, what you're looking here blue. is actually a fascial line. Okay. Um, so, what it's representative okay. of is fascia, muscle, and tendon, all the above. Okay. And what we're talking about here, and this is this is really crazy, and it's really cool. Um, this is why I do my assessments the way I do them now, uh, which is I look at posture assessment first, um, and I use the plumb line to give me a really accurate idea of where someone is standing, whether they're shifted to the right, left, look at their feet, what's going on down there, and everything, because all this stuff is actually connected. So okay. if, say for instance, I had uh, a lady Monday, she was... Let me uh, get my brain on it here. She was shifted left um, with her head, left of the plumb line. Um, and then if you look down, all the way down to her feet, her hips are shifted. Let's see. She was sh head shifted left, um, hip shifted back right. And if you look down at her right ankle, her right ankle was actually pronated. And, and, and pronation means the foot was falling in, mm. right? It was just kind of going in. So what's really interesting is we're able to actually... <laughs> It's crazy, but it's able to accurately identify which muscles would be weak based on her presentation, based off the fascial line here. Uh, I see. Okay. So to give you an idea of the muscles that are involved on this fascial line, so you have tibialis anterior, you have perineals here. Um, then we have the uh, tensor fasciolata that goes up into the, into, um, the obliques that then cut across. Uh, so rectus abdominis, which is the abdominal muscles, the six-pack or eight-pack or 12-pack if you're chiseled like Michael. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that one in there. That dude is stacked. I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah, he really is. Um, anyway, so you go across to the other side, and then you have uh, over here, you have this muscle called serratus anterior, um, which is actually one of my favorite muscles to talk about um, because it's, a, it, it's one of the most neglected muscles in the shoulder. Hmm. Um, anyway, besides the point, then you flip it around to the other side, it goes into the rhomboids and back in here, and then it goes into splenius capitis up in the head. Okay. And that shows you how you're connected all the way up. What's interesting is she was weak all along this fascial line. Oh, wow. All the way up. How she was inactive, okay, where she had her posture deviations, she was inactive on all these muscles. Wow, Every single that's one of them crazy. tested weak, all of them. And, and is this connected as in like there's literally a string that goes from the ankle up mm -hmm. the side and comes around? Or is it connected in like you have muscle everywhere and there's right. just sort of a, a theme or a vein that you right. can sort of track through if you do it right? Like how, like how connected is this? It's actually it's really connected. So um, they actually have done cadaver studies where they have dissected this out of people. This isn't like... I'll show you. I'll actually show you an example because it's actually in here. Um, and by the way, for those wondering, this is Anatomy Trains. This Anatomy is Trains okay. by Thomas Myers, Myofacial Meridians yeah. for manual and movement therapists. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people thought Tom was crazy when he first came out with this stuff. And, you know, some of my colleagues would probably be like, oh, you've gone off the deep end, dude. What are you thinking about? But truth is, it helps. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I have helped a ton of people. So even in your this practice, stuff. this book is like, ooh, that's getting out there a little bit. Uh, well, I'm not in my practice. It's not okay. getting out, not for me. Sure. Um, yep. But for a lot of, I think outside the box a lot. Okay. Is why I do things the way I do them. Yeah. Uh, is because most of the people when they come to me, they have a lot. A lot of times they've had physical therapy. 
they've tried other things, or maybe they've done personal training with someone else, they've gotten injured, they haven't healed all the way back, or they had an injury prior, and now they're really health conscious, and they want to do things the right way. Um, So for me and my practice, this has been a way for me to kind of streamline and figure out, okay, the body's connected. Okay, when, when you do a lunge, right, there's a lot of stuff going on with a lunge, right? It's not just that you're working your quads. Mm-hmm. If you do it right, it's not. <laughs> if you do it wrong, yeah, you could possibly be just using your quads, but then you're putting pressure on a lot of your spinal segment joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, your toe is inactive, so now you're pronating your foot in, which then could probably lead to rotation of the tibia, uh, which is the, the bottom bone on the lower lower part of the leg, which then cause rotation in the femur, and it'll put pressure on your meniscus. Yeah, you could eventually tear your meniscus doing that. Uh, you do enough repetitions, you turn that thing into mortar and pestle, and now all of a sudden you have a problem. Dang. Okay. And, and form matters. Right. It does. And that's like, that's why I do everything with, like, I emphasize biomechanics with every single person. Most of the people that I work with and train uh, or do physical therapy, like, again, it's blended with me. I, I use those terms almost interchangeably. They're not the same. Um, but my, how I do stuff with people is physical therapy with a training emphasis. Okay. So, yes. Okay. Get them moving start loading the body, and then off they go. And I'll tell you an example of why that's important here in a little bit. Um, but biomechanics is insanely important. Your body was designed to move a specific way, right? These joints that we all have, and we have a lot of them, okay, I don't remember the number anymore. It doesn't matter to me anymore. <laughs> I, I just look at people like, okay, here's our movement deficits. Excuse me, here are our movement deficits. You're weak here. We need to start loading you here, here, here. Here are your goals. Like, I want to get, you know, I want to gain 20 pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we start generating goals based on that. So volume of training and all this other stuff comes into play. So it's very multifaceted versus the, like, do two sets of uh, 15 reps of those ankle pumps. Right. Yeah. I could beat my head up against a wall doing that stuff. Yeah. It, it's just, it's not that effective. Yeah. But what is effective is if you look at the body as a system. Mm-hmm. You look at it as a system and program and train people and like do manual work as a system versus I'm just going to work on the shoulder. Yep. You use it as a system. Now, all of a sudden, you're making something change. Mm-hmm. So an- another, I mean, I have all kinds of examples, but a gentleman I worked with recently, he had basically had... Oh, terrible shoulder arthritis, um, and uh, he just can not raise his arm past like horizontal at all. And so I started looking at the fascial line. One in particular was that spiral line I showed you earlier, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, and also the functional line, which is basically the opposite end of the spiral line. So I started activating him along the sp- uh, the spiral line, which is the front. Okay, so we started squeezing the muscles on that, getting those to fire because he was weak there. I said, okay, we're going to fire these. We started working on those, and then we went to the backside, which is functional line, if I can find it. And when you say, like, activating the muscles, do you just mean massaging the muscles, or do you mean doing movements that start to use those particular muscles yeah. along that fascia line? Most of the time, it's actually activating and, and using them. Using the muscle? So firing okay. them with resistance, body weight only. Okay. It depends on what stimulus their body needs, because not everybody needs immediately to jump into a weight. So, yeah, I see. Uh, Anyway, so on him, we worked on this functional line, okay? For him, he was like, yeah, my, it was his left shoulder. He's like, yeah, my right hip's always been tight. I was like, oh my gosh, it's your functional line. And so I stretched his glute on the right, 
And you can see how this crisscrosses, right? So it yeah. goes this way, it goes that way. Okay. Um, so I stretch his glute and he's like, yeah, I kind of feel that in my, uh, my left lower back or yeah. Yeah. Left lower back. And I said, okay, let's, you know, let's do three at one minute holds on that. And I kid you not, had him do that. And he goes, huh? Whoa. That's easier. Fashion line. Wow, you're you're messing around by like his hips or his buttocks yep. on on the muscles there, and yep. that's immediately giving him. A, it a sounds gain bizarre. On his shoulders. Yeah, it sounds no, bizarre. It, it does a little bit, but also makes total sense. Like we are a connected body. Yep. Everything makes sense about that. So this is an example of a fascial line. I believe this is yeah, it's a superficial back line, <clears throat> and this is actually one, another one of my favorite lines to work on with people. Um, because a lot of people complain of pain in the thoracic spine. They, they complain, uh, thoracic is the upper back. Uh, they complain about it in the lower back, and then they complain about this funky pain going down the leg and that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes that's actually a fascial line issue, not necessarily a, uh, a nervy issue. Could be, mm. could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some different theories about what could be going on even with disc and stuff. I can't tell you if they're true or not, but... I just know I do stuff on people and it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I don't have any research articles to give you on that. But basically this shows you kind of where the superficial back line is connected. And you can see they, they superimposed it. They took it, this, and they put it on top of the skeleton. But this was dissected off of a fresh cadaver. Okay. Uh, fresh cadaver studies are actually very, very important studies because they're no longer, they're not dehydrated. Right? What's a cadaver? A cadaver, dead person? Yes. It is a, a dead person that's given up so their body for science. when you say fresh cadaver, you actually just mean a person that just died? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very, very, very new. <laughs> All right. And someone like would give permission to, hey, if I, yep. if I don't make it through this or yep. if I get killed unexpectedly, sure, yep. you can do. Yep. Like, is that... I, I think I'm like an organ donor on my license. I think. <laughs> Does that mean I signed up to? No, no, it's different. Uh, I, 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 so this that, would be like for someone. At least I'm pretty sure about that. Okay, for someone to get to be a cadaver in this right. situation, they would have given specific pr- permission. I'm pretty sure they would have donated their body to science. I see. Or, um, I, I, I'm not a don't quote me on this. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this is not my area of expertise. Yep. I have heard that people that were like you know possibly homeless, didn't have anybody uh, or anything. I don't know. Wow. I have no idea if that's the case. Yeah. So don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> might have to edit that out <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> but um, anyways, so it's basically somebody that's donated their body to sure. science for the most part. Yep. Okay. Um, but what they do is if you get a cadaver that's, you know, weeks old, well, that, that thing's dehydrated. Things aren't, like the fascia itself is very water-based, right? Mm. Uh, our tissues are actually mostly water-based, right? You know, like, was it 80% of our body is mostly water, mm-hmm. right? Um, so think about it. If you set a piece of meat on the counter, it starts drying out, right? Yes. Quickly, it actually. It should, unless it comes from... A, a, Places that Michael and Cassie don't like, like McDonald's. <laughs> they, I didn't, okay, I didn't know if we, we were okay to say, say that. that. And by the way, at their at their practice, they have like a a gourmet like glass bowl with McDonald's in it. And oh my god! Are they trying to see how long it's going to stay in there, or what are they doing? I think I think it's real food, right? Yeah, I think it's it, actual oh, it's, McDonald's. It's actual McDonald's. It's been there for what? How long? How long did you say? It's been there ever since I've been there. I don't. I don't know. Oh, I, it's, I don't. I assume they're just leaving it there to see what happens. But it yeah. looks pretty fresh, to be honest yeah. with you. It looks and like it's not decomposed it like at all. Eat it. No, it's just no. it's there. No. Yeah, it looks great actually. Even if it's like in a container, it doesn't matter. Like we've all had bread in a in a container. Bread goes. Pfft. Yeah, yeah. That stuff does not. Yeah, it's just, ugh. 
That's yeah, just concerning for sure. But anyways, <laughs> so the, the reason fresh cadavers are important is because it allows us to get a more accurate representation of how the body is interacting with itself. Sure. Right. So um, these studies are done on fresh cadavers that still are hydrated. Um, so therefore, they're able to actually get these fascial lines more accurately. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's actually a, um, a, a course with Tom Myers where he takes you through dissection of a fresh cadaver. Um, and you go through all the fashion lines, you actually physically get to see it, hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. That'd so. be fascinating. Now, let me ask you this. So when I got a this intercoastal muscle mm-hmm. rip, tear, strain, whatever it was, there was a, someone in the gym that mentioned there was another lady in the gym mm-hmm. last year, I think, that had also got an intercoastal muscle injury. Yep. And for her, the pain was not so much in the rib, but it was in her lower back. Okay. Would that be, and, and so, and since I've had this, first it was so painful, like if I would laugh, it would hurt. Mm-hmm. Breathing hurt a little bit and really couldn't do much at, at all with the gym with like above, like shoulder movements and arm movements really didn't do any of that. So I just did legs for a little while and tried to like ride the bike and stay semi-fit, but yep. there wasn't a ton I could do because of the pain. Feeling a lot better. However, when I was recently, we've been doing a little bit more hiking just with the kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll go out on a on a short hike and I'll feel lower back pain pretty quickly. Yeah. So my experience, coupled with this other lady's experience at the gym, when she had an intercoastal muscle injury, she experienced it mostly on her lower back. Yep. Is there a fascia line connecting those two, or yeah, do you think there's any really. kind of connection at all between? I think the ribs and lower back. The connection is going to more or less lie on. So I, I refer back to this a lot. This is still a very new concept to me. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't been using this. I mean, I've been using it over the past year, oh, okay. year and a half. Okay. I mean, I first heard about it from this guy, and he's he's phenomenal. He's like he's becoming one of the most prolific physical therapists in uh, in our profession. Uh, but he owns a company called Myo Detox. Um, his name is Vinny uh, Fan P H A N. I think um, if you look him up on Instagram, you can look up at Vinny Rehab. Okay. Uh, I think he may have changed it, but I think it's at uh, Vin at Vinny Rehab. Uh, Myo Detox at, at Myo Detox. But it's it's phenomenal. Like I, I got wind of his stuff. I was like, what? He and then he had this book. I was like, what the heck book mm, is this? Mm-hmm. And then finally, I caught a I caught a like a picture or something that had the like what the book was in, and I was like, I'm gonna order that book. Okay. And um, and then I ordered it, and I started implementing it. Uh, and this is actually, gosh, it's been longer than that. Good grief! Because uh, I started doing this before I, I left the the hospital to do my business full time. Okay. So I've been using this for like two and a half years now. I didn't realize that. Yep. Um, but anyways, so there is a connection. Yes, the connection is probably gonna lie in. Uh, in a couple of different ways, okay? So if we look at intercostal muscles, this actually does go up into the intercostals, which then goes, the spiral line, it hits the intercostals and goes back into um, <clears throat> serratus anterior, that shoulder muscle that I really, really like mm. uh, that I was telling you about. Uh, and it goes back the other direction. So if you have a weakened muscle on one side, could it be that you're compensating uh, on that side? And, and the only stability that you have then could be from lower back. Mm-hmm. That being said, also, if we look at the other side of the spiral line, we do have uh, right here, mm-hmm. iliostalis and spinalis. Okay, those are the two, like, call them back straps, right? They go yeah. right down the middle of the back. Um, and again, this, like, this is why I refer back to this thing, because I'm like, I don't know all this stuff by heart. Yep. I know the concepts, and I know where to find the information, yep. and I know how to implement so that I can fix someone and make them better. 
Um, but yeah, I, I would venture to say most likely what you're dealing with there is because you have a weakness here. It could have mm-hmm. manifested back here. Sure. Certainly. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. Now, what do the people, when you say not every physical therapist is going to be in on this or maybe even believe in some of this, mm-hmm. what, what do they say? No, there's not a, there's not a, what's the term, uh, meridian, because a meridian is is the meridian the actual it's line? The, line. the meridian is the line. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Line. I've heard that before, mm-hmm. but I don't know much about it. Do those people say no? There's no such thing as a meridian. There's just muscles everywhere. There's mm-hmm. not like a there's not like a stream of muscle that's yep. connected. What do they say? Most of the time, that's what they're going to tell you. They're going to okay. say you know, you're not like your head's not connected to your foot. I'm like, of course it is. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, if you think about it, if you start, if I just start at the top and like if you could see my feet, if I stand up, like if you can actually see my feet, if my foot turns in and I only move my foot in like this, well, my hip's moving. Yes. You can see my hip is moving. Yep. If my hip is moving, then something else is moving on top of that. And then I have to stabilize. Well, where am I going to stabilize? Probably across my body Mm -hmm. because that's how we are built. We are built in not a linear function. We do diagonal stuff all Mm -hmm. the time. How do you lift? Most people, when you're lifting a box and moving it, you lift and you twist and you sit something Mm -hmm. down. So you have to load across systems. So it makes sense then that you would have to have something that's going to stabilize you across the other way right? The design has to be there for it. In fact, thoracic spine actually has a lot of rotational mobility to it. It's got a lot of movement that way, Mm -hmm. okay? Mostly through the ribcage and everything like that, but it has a decent bit of movement. Um, But then again, like you start doing that, well, what have I just done when I, like, say I've activated here or I rotate this away? Well, yeah, sure. My shoulder blade just moved back here. Well, my shoulder blade just moved, which is like I have levator scapula that's right here. I also have spinalis that runs up the back of my neck. And you can see that muscle right here, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, or, or splenius, um, muscle that connects all the way up to the head. So, yes. Yeah. We are connected. Yeah, it's got to be. And that's why, that's why, what is the term for this? People that do like a particular type of foot massage and it affects the body. Oh. Reflexology? Yeah, reflexology. Is it reflexology, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, okay. you nailed it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, my wife's mom does uh, that, my mother-in-law, and she, I mean, she's not super trained. I think she's taking some classes on it, but basically that manifests itself in a practical way, which is... She just gives a really, really good foot massage. So I have no problem. I don't need to do You don't the care. I don't I just care. Feel it's, good. A, it's a great foot massage. Yep. But but it is it is like depends where she finds like different crunchies on your yep. feet. She's like, you know, is your back hurting or like stuff like that? Yep. It's like, well, that sounds it feels mm-hmm. sort of weird. But of yep. course, why not? I mean, if the muscles go into your yep. feet and your body's connected, which right. it is, I can I can at least, you know, appreciate an argument for there being a scientific backing for why that stuff would work. Yep. There, the research has been there. We've just ignored it because, I mean, truthfully, I don't know why we do this as professionals, but a lot of times we, like, there's banter back and forth. Well, the McKinsey camp, well, the Mulligan camp, well, this camp, well, I don't care. Does it right. help somebody? That's all I care at the end yeah. of the day is can I take a client and make them feel insanely good? Yep. That's the, that's the whole point of why we exist. And following this, you've been you've been able to help some clients yeah. with this line of thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, one guy in particular, I'll tell you about. He's uh, I started him last November, so it's been almost a year um, working with him, and he's one of my training clients. I see him three days a week um, because again, people need loading again and again. 
And this is not the traditional physical therapy, right? Traditional physical therapy is going to see you maybe eight weeks, twice a week, one to two times a week for eight weeks. <laughs> That's the script yep. that most of the time we get. Okay. Um, but the truth was is that he needed loading over time. The problem was he would go, he, his knee would be feeling good, and then he would go work with the trainer. And no offense to trainers, but some of them don't know the best biomechanics. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They're not educated in that. I'm a doctorate in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would happen is he would start doing okay. He would he would start off light because he physically could not do it. He would just be so short-winded and not able to perform all the activities. But then as he got stronger, he's like, hmm, I'm more confident. I can do this better. And then he would get overloaded and bang, there's an injury. Like a legit have to go have surgery injury. Like blew something out. Um, and then all the way he had lost, he gained it right back and then some. And that happened, I think, two or three times. Mm. And then he finally was like, oh, crap, there, I don't know that there's any hope for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was what, that was really, really sad to me. Um, when he came to me, he was, like, he was just telling me, he's like, man, I, I, I want a trainer that can actually uh, understand my body, understands my injuries, understand what I, what I need physically and kind of help guide me on the right trajectory for my body so mm-hmm. that I don't have to have any more of these surgeries. I know I need to be physically active, but I can't because something always happens. Mm-hmm. And so utilizing the principles of myofascial lines, biomechanics, uh, along with the myofascial lines, we're able to take him on a process to where he's now, I think he's 65 pounds lighter. Um, oh, wow. And uh, he has had no injuries for an entire year. Okay. Um, and... It's all based on biomechanics yeah, and understanding how the body is intimately connected with itself. And if I showed you his posture, like, um, and I wish I could, if I had, a, if I had a disclosure agreement with him, I could show you where he was versus where he is now is it's insane mm-hmm. to look at what happened with his posture. And again, I talked about that with the myofascial lines, what happened with his posture. He had like a major anterior pelvic tilt, like his low back looked like this It was bent really bad. Mm. And like over the course of strengthening and loading over time, he went, he got taller. Oh, oh, I see. Sure. Yeah. Just based off of. Was he bent his, front, you mean? Yeah. Like a, well, he was like, um, like the best way I can do it is just to show you. So basically he went, so, let me see if I can get this right. It's like this. And he had a lot more weight, so his belly stuck out quite a uh, bit. Oh, okay. And then yeah. he was kind of right here. Sure. Thumbs yes. pointed at each other. Okay. Right. He thought he was okay in a good position, but if you look like from the side, right. Like my back is hyperextended yes. <laughs> in this position. Yep. yep. So, I mean, I'm loading L5, S1, which consequently he also had back pain. Sure. He doesn't have back pain anymore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because we took him on the process of balancing out his body with biomechanics and then loading over time. Yep. Which, again, that's where my practice differs from traditional physical therapy is that I don't, I don't really like the idea of just seeing somebody twice a week for eight weeks and then bye-bye, see you later, good luck. Right. You need to load it. If that's with me, great. Yeah, I have space in my practice to where I can do that mm-hmm. and I can take you there. Um, however, if, you know, if that's not for you, that's fine. I'll, I'll give you the principles. You can go off and do your own thing if you want to. Um, but oftentimes people need the neuromuscular re-education, which is just connecting the brain back to the body through these fascial systems. And I everything. see. 
So they move right. And when you say you, they need to load it, you basically mean they need right. to do particular exercises to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, particular exercises. what you mean like, by loading? Loading means basically like taking somebody through a strength training process. I see. Right. Yeah. So loading as in, you know, we started with him a barbell on a deadlift. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And now he can easily... He can easily do, I think, 135 on his deadlifts, but multiple, like I'm talking like three, four sets of 20 on those. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He's, he's crushing it. No back pain with it either. So. Wow. Yep. Now, when you say like an injury, so like the one category of injury, I feel like you, you know, I can just kind of understand like this happens, whereas like you have an advanced athlete and they're pushing mm-hmm. it. If you're into CrossFit like um, Michael is and and you're, getting heavy weights and heavier and heavier and one day you injure yourself because you went too heavy or you went too hard or whatever happens like so there's that but then there is another category where someone's body is they're out of shape or they're weak in certain areas or they've had other injuries and just like certain types of everyday movements they can actually get an injury from it sounds like that was maybe the this guy's case or when like he didn't sound like he was getting injuries because he was an advanced athlete. No, no, he definitely. He was getting injuries not. because he just he was had, out of shape, and so it's like he would try to move and be right. active, but just that amount of movement would cause an injury. Yeah, it would, but it was also the biomechanics of how he moved. Also, okay, so how he was being taught how to move. So, I mean, I teach people when you squat. You know, I'm sure you you're very familiar with this. You plant the toes create a slight bit of arch in the feet because that puts the knees slightly outward in external rotation, the hips. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretty much it allows the knee to track the way it's supposed to, which the knee has a mechanism called the screw-on mechanism where it, it literally screws back into itself. Um, and that's kind of a weird way to put it. But the, vast, the, the very, very last end of knee extension, there's a locking like this. That's what you say. Mm. They say, don't lock your knees. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there's actually a lock right there on end range. It's very hard if somebody is has a decent bit of strength to unlock that, uh, if they have a decent bit of strength, because of the locking mechanism. I see. Think like pit bull, when a pit bull locks down on something. Sure. Same idea. Oh, jeez. Um, it's, it's very hard, because they have a lock mechanism yeah. in their jaw, right? Uh, and we have a locking mechanism. It's not that strong, but um, that's, the, that's the principle. Well... What happens is when you unlock, some people will let the knee cave in. And I know you're doing CrossFit or doing any kind of type of weightlifting, they tell you don't let that knee buckle in, right? That's one of the most common cues. Uh, well, the thing about it is unless you're correcting down below that too at the ankle, you could inadvertently be not necessarily buckling in, but you could be rotating the tibia in, which is creating the same thing mm. just on the bottom there, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and that's oftentimes what I look at with people is we're looking from – Top down, but we have to look at the ground up too. Sure. Got to look at both. Yep. Um, so for him, it was biomechanical. Like I had to correct everything about his movement patterns. He also, side note, he had triple orthodesis in both feet. Oh, uh, uh, I see. <laughs> so, yeah. Which it was, it was, he's, he was a mess. What's an orthodesis? That's basically where they fused his foot. I mean, he has no inversion or eversion. Oh, jeez. Wow. I say no. He has a little bit yeah. of motion, but not a lot. Sure. Not like you and I. Like, I can put my foot up here, and I can turn it in like that easy. Yep. He's got, like, that much. I see. That's it. Okay. And then about that much. Okay. That's about all he's got. What was uh, what was the muscle that you mentioned? Shoulder muscle? That's one of your favorite muscles yeah. you mentioned? It's serratus anterior. Um, so, have you ever seen somebody in a push-up position, their shoulder blades look like they stick up like this on their back? Yes. Okay. Most of the time, that serratus anterior is weak. It looks like the cat at the at the zoo where they're, the cat's walking around and its shoulder blades are like sticking up yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that particular muscle is called serratus anterior and it's very important 
Um, so overhead motion, uh, one third of all overhead motion is accounted for by the shoulder blade itself. Okay. So if you're reaching overhead, a third of all that motion came from your shoulder blade. Okay. And when you say shoulder blade, you mean the shoulder blade muscle? No, the, the, the bone. The okay. bone. The scapula. Okay. It's this muscle, or the, not muscle, the bone right here. So sure. I'm going to turn around in a second. I'm just move my arm so you can see it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. See that moving up and down? Okay. Yep. So that was actually my scapula moving. Muscles attach on that mm-hmm. and fire off of it. The rotator cuff actually attaches to the scapula. Okay. Um, anyway, the reason that's important is that particular muscle does what's called upward rotation. Um, based on where it attaches, it's on the ribs. It attaches on the underside of the shoulder blade, and it pulls. And the angle that it pulls at, because it pulls on the bottom end of it, it causes the shoulder blade to do this. Okay. And it upwardly rotates. It also does this motion called protraction. Okay. Protraction goes like this right here. Okay. Mm. So when you're in a push-up position, that's why it's important. When you're in a push-up position, if that muscle's weak, it pops up off of the back. Pretty easy to spot. And what do you mean the muscle? The, the muscle doesn't pop up off the back, but mm. the shoulder blades do. Yes, the shoulder blade Because does. the muscle is not strong enough or developed to enough to hold. Right. It can't stabilize you. So, like, when you get in a push-up position, like, if I'm here on your table mm-hmm. and I get there, I don't know if I can do this very good because I do a lot of push-up position stuff. Um, but if you're here and those shoulder blades are popping up like that okay. versus more of a... I see. This position, which is stacked. Okay, yes. Okay, that's a much more stable position yep. than, uh, than just letting those shoulder blades sort of fall out. I see. And again, the reason that's important is if we get into overhead motion, there's a lot of things that can go wrong there, right? Uh, if that shoulder isn't, fi- if that particular muscle isn't firing right, you can get what's called impingement syndrome where you're basically pinching on uh, the rotator cuff tendons going overhead. There's an arch that ma- that's there. Um, like it's called a corcoacromial arch, um, and the head of the, the, the top, or excuse me, the bone here, which is a humerus, uh, if that doesn't slide under that well, it'll actually smack up against one of the tendons there called supraspinatus. Mm-hmm. You can also hit the biceps tendon there as well, um, and you can cause some tendonitis mm-hmm. as a result of that. So some people are kind of like, I got this pain like right there, and mm-hmm. it hurts. Well, sometimes that's as a result of a winging, well, it's called a winging scapular or scapular dyskinesia as a result of a weak uh, serratus anterior or some of the supportive Where muscles. is the serratus anterior? So that'd be this guy right here. Because you mentioned, that's I think you mentioned something about a sh- it being a shoulder muscle, correct? Yeah. It, uh, it connects to the, uh, the rib cage though. Uh, so it's not just okay. a shoulder muscle. It connects to the rib cage. And it's right here. Let me get, my fingers are too big for that to work. <laughs> so it's right here. Okay, so you see this little bump right yeah. here? Okay. Yep. That muscle actually cuts around. You can see it coming around here like this. Okay. It forms in and attaches right there. Okay. Okay. By the angle pull, if I pull like this, what's going to happen to that shoulder blade? It's going to pull the shoulder blade out. It's going to go like this. It's going to sweep around okay. and give it upward rotation based on the angle of pull. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very important. So mm-hmm. Everything's based on the angles uh, that it pulls on. So, um, if you, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. If you've ever seen boxers, right, and they're throwing a punch, like, say they're throwing a punch like so, Mm -hmm. you'll see that fan that comes right there, that fan muscle that looks like, 
right on the rib cage. Oh, just okay. have Michael do like this for you. You'll okay. see it. It's easy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but have him have and you know, have him punch out like, dude. Let me let me see. Like, yep. shit. <laughs> that's <laughs> the muscle right there. Yeah, that's the muscle. Oh, okay. It goes right on top of the rib cage. Uh, it's right there. So you have intercostals that are up under that. Uh, those are the muscles that go in between. Okay. Yep. These lie on top. You see how it's just kind of laying oh, up on I top see. like this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it lays right there and it contracts on that and then it pulls on the uh, the shoulder blade right there. I see. One of my favorite muscles. I really, really like that. And one. why is it one of your favorite muscles? Because uh, it's often neglected. Oh, really? <laughs> it's easy fix. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like such an easy fix to start working on that hmm. for people with impingement syndrome and other stuff like that. You, you literally can get people in in uh, like a modified push up position. You can have them just do shoulder protraction. Oh, okay. Just like that. In a pain-free range, you can do it. You can get a band. That starts to build it stronger? Yeah, it starts to make it what stronger. What can people do to build this muscle stronger? It sounds like it's an important muscle. Yeah, so you can do scapular protraction. You can take a band, uh, and you can, like, throw it around your back. Uh, like if you have, say, a pull-up band, right? Just yep. a regular pull-up band. Throw it around your back, hold it on the side. You can hold it right there, and you can just literally punch like this. Pause. Okay, you should feel when you do that, like, feel all along your rib cage right there. Okay. You should feel a so tiny, just, small contraction right there. Yeah, yeah, right I can feel that. Yep. Okay. That's that's a muscle. Okay. <clears throat> so if they just work that, that that strengthens that's the muscle. One way to do it. Yeah. You get start getting more complex. You can work fascial lines and then get it even better. Oh, okay. That's where it gets. Yeah. Fun. Do push-ups strengthen that muscle or not so much? If you do them right, if you just do a push-up like you just let the shoulders fall, oh, it, okay. it won't do anything to I it. I see. Okay. Uh, because then you're just relying on the joint for stability versus muscles. Okay. Which is a lot of what I teach people. Um, a lot of people are utilizing joints, the, like the joints for their stability, versus utilizing the natural shock absorbers, which are your muscles. Like mm-hmm. they, they're really good at taking load uh, if we load them. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes, like, uh, like my client I was talking about, the, uh, the guy that lost a lot of weight, he was standing like that. So he was, yeah. he was loading his L5S1 all day long yep. if he like if or all day long he sits a decent bit but when he gets up and walks around he would load that or when he was doing exercise he'd be like this yep so he's constantly just jamming those the facet joints which are the joints in your back that articulate with each other he was just jamming them up all the time hmm. so. let's zoom back out mm-hmm. and kind of give people an overview of what it is that you do yeah. and um how you got there yeah, so, gosh, I'll, I'll start with the story of how I got here. Yeah. Um, you it, from Nashville, by the way? No, no, I'm actually from Arkansas. No way. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah, I'm a Razorback. Razorbacks fan? Yeah. My brother-in-law is a hardcore Razorbacks fan. We're finally starting to get some traction in football. Thank oh, really? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I call it the curse of Bobby, Bobby Petrino, when he was there. We were great. We were, like, top, I think, like, top 15. Okay. And then... There was the whole fiasco. You can look it up. There was like a whole fiasco about it, and he ended up getting fired. He had long story. <laughs> now his curse remains. Yeah, and <laughs> and like for the next three coaches. I mean, yeah, I'm talking about, and they just the way Arkansas is. We don't they don't typically fire people very fast. And anyway, <laughs> um, so <laughs> I think we finally have a good one. Like we beat we beat Tennessee. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. Well, who, who hasn't? I don't know how they're doing this year. Hey, but. hey I'm just saying that's a big deal for Arkansas yeah. for the past like <laughs> five, six, seven years. It's it's been it's been awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm from Arkansas originally. We moved to, to Nashville uh, back in 2015. Um, oh, okay. We moved uh, literally on our anniversary. Uh, okay. It's June 12th, and we moved in 2015 to Hendersonville. Lived there. Uh, I worked for a, a local company here. 
Um, and, uh, and then I ended up, it was one of those things, you know, I, I was just kind of praying about things and I, I felt like I needed to do something different. Um, how we got to Nashville is a really long story for another day. Um, but, uh, I started working for this local company, their outpatient, you know, orthopedic type, typical traditional physical therapy clinic. Started working with them and I was like, I wasn't really happy. I was like, man, I got to do something else. And, and, um, the way they operate, they typically see about two, three people at a time like that. Um, especially not if I'm Being doing one physical therapist sees two or three people. Yeah. At a time. One physical therapist will see two or three people guiding them on exercise. Um, you try to get the, the two or three people that have the same sort of problem. Not necessarily. Or so, That's yeah. where it gets you really just hard. You kind of go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it feels like you're hurting cattle or cats, depending sure. on what type of people you have. Yeah. Um, it, it did anyways. Um, so I was like, man, I, I, I can't actually serve people like this. Um, and for me, I, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. That's why I've studied all I've studied. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm going to serve people, I'm going to serve people like the absolute best that I can. I'm going to give them the best that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I was uh, with the with the former company, um, I, I served them as best as I could. But I mean, I'm limited on what I can do because I'm I'm seeing two or three people at a time. And so I was like, I got to figure out how to find a place where I can see people one to one. And that led me to a hospital system um, that I worked for for the next three years. And it was, it was great working for the hospital system. Um, there are good people. I saw people one-on-one. It was able to affect a lot of lives that way and, and significantly help people. The trouble was um, where I was working, the demographic wasn't that concerned about health and fitness and everything. So I was very limited on what I could do mm. and what they wanted to do. Mm. Um, you know, it, just, it was just kind of one of those mindset things that, you know, the folks didn't really, didn't really care about it. They had like a, a very high rate of obesity, high diabetes and everything like that. Uh, so clearly they're not that concerned about their health and it's not, 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 not trying to demean that, that uh, particular area. They're just not as focused as the clientele that I work with now. Sure. Um, and I always, I was like, man, I would, I would love to have my own thing with people who are extremely motivated that want to like, they want to get after it. And they're like, they come in and they've done their exercises and they're doing this and that, like, and they're asking questions. And I, that's, I love it when people are engaged because they're engaged. I can help them. Yeah, um, I mean, like 99 times out of 100, I can help them. And the one time is like, oh, oh crud, that was going to be hard for anybody to help you. And actually, yeah, you did need to go see uh, another person. Yep. And so you refer them out. Um, but anyways, how I got started, a friend of mine, um, who's a, he's a gem of a human being. I'd like, I'd, I'd love him. I still go out and have lunch with him. And uh, he, uh, he, he's done very well for himself. He, um, and he's been able to bless a lot of people. Um, and, uh, one day he rang me up. He's like, Dustin, can you come to my house? My hip is like, I'm dying. Mm. I was like, yeah, I mean, anything I could do to help you. You've, you've been so kind to me and, and so gracious. And, um, he, he, had, uh, he talked to me through a lot of stuff. And, um, anyway, he, uh, one day I went over to his, I went over to his house. I was like, Hey, I can come over Tuesday. He's like, great. Tuesday's perfect. I don't have anything going on. So come on over. So I went over to his house and brought my table. This was when I was doing mobile sessions um, only. And uh, right when I started, I was doing mobile sessions only. And I worked on his hip, made his hip feel amazing. He's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Now I don't have to go get a shot in my hip. Because yeah. I was thinking, God, I don't want to get another shot in my hip. Yep. And um, so fixed him up, made him feel great. And he looked at me, he's like, Dude, why are you still working for other people? Mm. And it was one of those, it was a God ordained moment, right? 
you know, he, he just looked at me and he, he spoke with such conviction. He was like, you really don't need to do this for someone else. You need to do this for you mm-hmm. because people like me want to work with people like you. Mm. Um, and the nature of my business, it's just kind of how it went. You know, I, I ended up working, I, I've worked with a lot of very successful people, uh, a lot of successful businessmen. I've worked with car, uh, country artists, rock artists, some Christian artists and, and other things. And that's not to boast or anything. It's just, it's just how it chips fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyways, he goes, dude, you got to do this for yourself because there are a lot more people like me that need your help. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, uh, there definitely are. And we definitely would want somebody like you. And I said, okay. Um, so that started the idea. And uh, so I started looking around because I knew... Was the, that the first, like, you had put serious thought into striking out on your own? Well, I, for the, that you know, kind of reinforce what you were already kind of thinking about? A long, long time ago, when I went to PT school, I was thinking, it'd be neat to have my own business. Okay. And I was like, well, you know, it'd be fun, it'd be cool. And then I got to PT school, I'm like, ain't no way I'm doing this. Because we did, it's, it's, it's crazy. In school, they teach you the, the how to run a business, which basically consists of you taking out at least a $100,000 loan for a business loan and doing all this other stuff, I see. which is totally not how I built my business okay. <laughs> like at all. Um, I, I did not, I have not taken out a single like SBA loan or anything. Yeah. I, I've just built it from the ground up. Yep. And, um, anyways, so I was like, no way I'm building this business. I, I don't, I don't desire to do that. It just, I was like, it's, that's too much work. And, uh, and when my friend told me that I was, something tripped on the inside of me. I was like, he's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I should go out and build this thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, ended up, I started Googling and looking around, um, and I liked the concept. I'd heard rumblings of NPT of this concept called concierge physical therapy. And I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And then I was like, well, the closest thing I know of that I've heard of is concierge medicine. And so I said, hmm, let me look up concierge medical doctors and see what they're doing. And, uh, and then, so I, f- I Googled around, found this guy, um, his name is Dr. Aaron Wenzel and just without a doubt, one of the biggest influences on my business mm. without a doubt. Um, I-, I love him to death. He is such an incredible human being and a fantastic uh, physician for those that are looking for that type of service. Um, he is, he's a private medical doctor. Uh, he has a nurse practitioner who works for him. I'm like, dude, you're doing in medicine. I, I basically, here's what I did. I sent him an email and I say, hey, doc, I, I, I really like, so I was like, first of all, your website's amazing. Um, secondly, you're doing in medicine what I want to do in physical therapy. Oh, okay. Is this guy, was he in Nashville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in Brentwood. Oh, he, yeah? He owns, well, a, he owns Brentwood MD. Um, Brentwood MD. Mm-hmm. Okay, I kind yeah. of feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. What was his name again? Aaron Wenzel. Aaron Wenzel with yep. Brentwood MD. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, cool. Amazing guy. Yep. And uh, um, great, great friend of mine. I basically text every day now. Yep. Um, but anyway, I sent him an email. I was like, hey, doc, um, I don't, you know me from nobody. I don't know you. I'm not, I don't, really, I'm not asking for a referral at all. You've built something that I want to build in physical therapy. As a business owner, you're a business owner. I just want to learn from you. Can you teach me, you know, can you give me some information as to how you got started in doing this? About two weeks later, I got an email back. It's like, Dustin, this is an incredible idea. I love your thought. on. The, I, I love that you're trying to do this in physical therapy. 
let's grab lunch. Mm. And normally when you do physician marketing, you buy the physician's lunch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I went, I met, met, went and met him for lunch. I got to pay and I was about to hand them my card. And he said, no, no, your money's not good today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's on me. I was like, really? He said, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get the next one. Yeah. And we sat and chatted for at least an hour and it was incredible. Mm. I, instantly, I was like, this guy is basically in the medicine field what I want to be in physical therapy. I see. Uh, and he looks at things from a biochemistry and like medical standpoint, the way I look at him and the physical standpoint. Okay. He's an incredibly great guy. He happens to work with a lot of um, successful business owners and stuff too. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was the one of the, actually he is, I would say the biggest influence on my business. Uh, oh, wow. As to how it formed and how it On grew. the business structure and mm-hmm. the type of business you're looking to build. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on the business structure, the, the uh, types of clientele that he has. Um, so he, worked, oh, okay. again, he works with a lot of business owners, uh, a lot of very successful people. And I really love to work with those types of folks. Yeah. How did you get into that? How did you get your name out mm-hmm. with some of the country music artists and rock artists mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I mean, I guess like even celebrities, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, celebrities to some degree, like how'd you, how'd you break into that? Well, I mean, honestly, part of it was, um, through my relationship with him, uh, through the doc and then also through some other, uh, other folks as well. Okay. I mean, just honestly focusing on serving people well. Yep. And just focusing on how can I improve? Okay. And like keeping my eyes on my vision, which has always been from the get go, like, and I hold no bones about it. I, my vision was to create what I would call a luxury brand of physical therapy. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and when I say luxury, I mean, like, if I were to go to physical therapy, that's what I would want. Yes. Yeah. Right? That's what I mean. Uh, versus what I've seen out there right now mm. um, in, in a lot of other places. Um, so, yeah, it really it was just a matter of continuing to sharpen and improve and dial in what I do now, which is a complete biomechanical assessment. Um, and then we figure out exactly where the problem's coming from and start crafting a solution to take people from what I say painful to pain-free and fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the 2015, you had the conversation with uh, the gentleman that called you over to, to do some mobile mm-hmm. therapy, correct? Was, when, I think it was 17 I actually had that. Okay. When did you actually strike out on your own then? Uh, it was like two months later. I was oh, like, okay. I, okay. I, I said, I was Pretty like, quickly. Yeah. Well... I figured out one thing I figured out and he actually, he hit on this a lot. So I, I went to his house probably two, three more times and uh, he's one of the most successful people I've ever met. He's just, he's incredibly successful and just, a, like I told you, he's just a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me one day, he goes, Dustin, he was like, you need to do your due diligence. Like I was, I was getting caught in like the details of everything. He said, do your due diligence, but I'm going to tell you right now, I ready, fire, aim all the time. Okay. <laughs> he's like, I fire before That's I'm so ready. so much more fun. He's like, I ready, fire, fire before. Ready, fire, aim, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I fire before I'm ready all the time. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's way more fun. He's like, yeah, you miss sometimes, but truth is, is that if you have a gut feeling, you go ahead and pull the trigger. Oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes you beat everybody else at the punch mm-hmm. and you create something that people truly wanted. And I was fortunate enough to just, to set out and do that and, and, uh, created something that's really special. Mm-hmm. Had 38 sessions this week. So yeah, let's getting after it. Yeah. And what are the sessions? Like how long are they generally? They're an hour. Um, okay. So at least an hour, some of them, depending on the nature of what's going on, I have to do a little bit longer. So I'll do manual work on people and then maybe go into the training portion. So, so hold on one second though. This mm-hmm. is, 
you came over here at three o'clock on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and by three o'clock on Wednesday, you had thirty-eight one-hour sessions. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in a week, like one. Hour, no, um, I'm talking about an entire week. Oh, you're you're planning to have thirty-eight sessions this week, right? And it actually went to thirty-nine because okay. I had a, a new consult come in today. Okay, so. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you no haven't way. done thirty-eight hours no, of therapy no, 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 by no, no. midday not, on Wednesday. No, not today. I see. Um, I, I don't know what I'm at to, at yet. I'm I'm somewhere halfway there. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But you got I, plenty of business the way it sounds. Yeah. Is your shop in? It's in Franklin or is it Brentwood? Yeah, it's in Franklin. Uh, actually, okay. sublease out of a studio uh, down okay. in Franklin. It's called Fit Studio. Okay. Um. The owner of the studio is Amanda Fullen. She's an amazing human being. Uh, has been so gracious for me to uh, to use her space and to grow my my business. Yep. Um. And uh, it's just a nice private training studio. Very low key. Um. And, and we like it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my clients all love it. It's very clean. Uh, we have all the equipment that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're able to, to really hone in. Uh, clearly, obviously, we're able to get results for people. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be what, in business. What portion of your kind of average weekly business is physical therapy and what portion of it is personal training? And I know they blend together. Yeah. Um, people that are just going for personal training, it, gosh, it used to be like 25% maybe personal training, but it's truthfully... Nowadays, it's 60 to 75%. Really? Training. Okay. So those are people coming in. They don't necessarily have an issue where they need yep. a physical therapist. Yep. They want to get, you know, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, better in whatever capacity, yep. and you're going to help them get there. Yeah. Through a, like a biomechanical process where we take them through loading strategies to prevent injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much with the end in mind of we don't want to injure, okay, and we want to create something that's sustainable for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the goal is for most of my people they're I mean they're business owners a lot of them so they're not trying to you know lift 500 pounds or whatever sure I, you know they're not trying to deadlift 400 pounds they don't need to do that what they want to do is I want to get in the best shape of my life that I've ever okay been. and they have like a select amount of time and it sounds mm-hmm. like they have some means and mm-hmm. so they're going to come to a personal trainer as mm-hmm. opposed to joining a local CrossFit gym basically right yeah. Okay. Yeah, they will. A lot of them are, uh, you know, they're afraid to go to uh, group fitness because they really want eyes on and mm-hmm. they want someone watching their movement patterns and correcting their movement patterns um, and allowing them to do things the right way. And mm-hmm. not saying that, that CrossFit is the wrong way, but they want to make sure that sure. they have eyes on their, I'm looking at how they move um, and what, you know, what's an appropriate weight for them mm-hmm. and helping them decide. And also, it's the accountability of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone that they're directly responsible to. Some of them don't like being in groups, mm-hmm. um, so they want the more personalized one-on-one care. Sure. Um, and, and that's, that's exactly They'll come in anything from two or three days a week to five days a week? or Yeah. I literally, I have, um, I just signed up another lady, and uh, it was a lady I was talking about earlier. She just signed up for five days a week. Yeah. Um, and I've got a gentleman at 5 a.m. that comes five days a week. I don't think there's anybody else. Was everybody else's two to three days okay. uh, a week? For the most you part. go in at five a.m. Yeah. to have a personal training session until I get my hire on board. Then she's going to take over the five. <laughs> <Yeah. a.m. laughs> That'd be the first one I get help for. Yeah. That'd yeah. be like I need some help. Yeah, I need some from someone from five to eight a.m. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hit as many sessions as you can, then I'll be in later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, what What is the difference between physical therapy and chiropractic care? Maybe the, actually the better yeah. way to put that is. If someone's dealing with an issue, how should they know whether they should go to a physical therapist or a chiropractor? So that's a great question. Um, and I don't know the best way to answer that. Um, 
I know what I do, the thought process that I use is we have, we have similar ideas um, because we want the body to be aligned and we want the body to move with certain mechanics and everything like that. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't do um, adjustments. I, I don't do that. Um, I will do mobilizations where we're gently like moving the, you know, the joints and things like that, but I don't okay. actually adjust people. Um, what I do is basically, that's what I tell people. I connect the brain back to the body with movement. Mm. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, sometimes that requires me to use manual means to get there to where they can actually do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's definitely, uh, more or less what I do. Okay, so you're you're not gonna you know crack people's back no. and their neck and stuff like that. However, if someone comes, it would be reasonable to think someone's gonna come to you uh, for some physical therapy because of let's just say lower back pain, yeah. right? That happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All, so all some people might go to a chiropractor for lower yeah. back pain, but if they're coming to you, no. you might do some massaging and you might try to move this loosen the spine or something you're yeah. just not going to like adjust it like a chiropractor would. not really no i mean i'm i'm trained in what we call what we call high velocity low amplitude thrust techniques i am trained in that i very rarely do any of that stuff okay um, it's just I, I don't have an as much experience in it so i don't gravitate towards it i yeah. gravitate towards what i know which is i know how to move people sure i know how to move people really well mm-hmm. um and so what works really well for me is taking people through a process to where we can calm down the tissue, whatever it is. Um, you know, if it's a muscle, if it's, you know, a joint that's not moving properly, calm it down, make it where it doesn't hurt as much, mm-hmm. and then start putting them through the process of loading it so we get rid of pain. And I use, I use different techniques. I use dry needling, which is the acupuncture needle where we stick it in the muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can either do pistoning, which is pushing the needle in and out um, on it, uh, or we can hook it up to an uh, e-stem unit. So you actually have intramuscular stimulation. Okay. Um, so, and is the thought process there? If you loosen the muscles and get the muscles how they need to be, the bones will then fall into place, or the spine will then fall into place. So, not necessarily loosen. It depends on what the body needs, right? So okay. Everything's based on assessment. If it's a tight muscle that needs to loosen, yes. Sometimes tightness, though, is actually the brain's response to, hmm, uh, I need something to change. If this muscle is actually weak, so I'm gonna make it feel tight. And I can't tell you how oh, many okay. times I've taken people like that have tight hamstrings, put them through deadlifts, and you know you're going to stretch a little bit when you do deadlifts, but I'll I'll take them and you know we'll we'll work on uh, strengthening like eccentric, not always eccentric, but some strengthening on on hamstrings, and then magically they can touch your toes, mm. all because the brain was like, oh, that's what I wanted. I oh, wanted I, see. I wanted some pressure put on that thing. Yeah. Okay. And that's what it's asking for. So I know the, uh, I mean, this is one of the great things that I like about CrossFit is the group dynamic and having people there. And, and uh, I like to go to the 1130 class. It's one of the bigger classes mm-hmm. at CrossFit Forte where I go. And of course, you know, there's people of all different stripes and types right. and opinions and those types of things. And um, I know there's at least one guy there who, you know, would think there is something valid to physical therapy, mm-hmm. but he thinks chiropractic care is like, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if he thinks it's a scam or what. So, like, what what would you say to that then? Like, why would he think? And Because I know there is there is some sentiment out there. I mean, I talked about it when, with Michael when he was on the podcast that some people do think chiropractic care is like yeah. a, a quack or kind of a scam or whatever. Yeah. Um, that there's not real science behind it. Yeah. So, but, but then apparently some mm-hmm. people might believe that but think there is a science behind physical therapy. So, like, what... 
What's uh, behind all that? Do you think so a lot of this mindset and what people have been heard have heard from other people? They're like, "Oh, chiropractors are quacks." Oh, I mean, I can tell you uh, probably. I don't know if I could tell you as many people, but I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, physical therapy that don't work." You know, oh, really? All they do. Is oh, you just, hear that too? Yeah, with I physical therapy all the time. Like, oh, with oh, the physical no therapy that crap didn't work. It didn't oh, help okay. me. Most of the times because they were non-compliant um, or they were seen with like a bunch of people at the same time. Sure. Uh, yeah, it, that stuff happens. Uh, but the truth is that manipulative therapies, which is uh, more along the lines of what chiropractic care is, uh, it has a lot of evidence behind it. A ton mm, mm-hmm. uh, manipulative, uh, you know, techniques and care, which uh, a lot of what Michael and Cassie do over at Major Family. Yeah. Um, they, they do a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of research that says, no, actually this stuff does work. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to uh, the stuff that they do because I don't know. Sure. Uh, that's outside of my realm of knowledge. Um, but I, I know they help a lot of people. And I know a lot of people have gone. They, there's no way you'd have a business like that and keep going. Right. Uh, you know, if it doesn't actually help people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just no, doesn't work. Yeah. No, most certainly. Dried needling. That's something I don't yep. know a lot about. But recently had a friend's wife who acupuncture... I don't know much about it, but my understanding was acupuncture kind of changed her life. Yep. Diet and what she can eat now. Yep. And I mean, it was pretty crazy. Like she was telling us how this has happened, like how it's changed basically every aspect of her. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'd never heard that before. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't know any science behind that. So you say dry needling. Is that a form of acupuncture or what's the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? Yeah, no, it's not a form of acupuncture. No, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and put that out there. Um, acupuncture is... It, it, it's, it's kind of great, and I don't want to speak to what they do very much because I don't know. Um, you know, it, basically what dry needling, I can speak to what dry needling is. Dry needling is basically we take a, 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 an acupuncture needle. It's the same needle, okay? Uh, but we then, we then insert it into a muscle. Um, for the most part, it's muscle. Sometimes you'll get it close to a nerve on purpose. Um, and the idea is that you perforate the muscle or you stimulate the muscle with electricity, um, and what you have is a result is you're going to have increased blood flow to the area. Uh, so it's sort of like your ISTM stuff that I talked about earlier, the, the tool mm-hmm. um, stuff. So you're going to have increased blood flow to the area. You can also have the release of endorphins and kephalins, which are your natural painkillers. Um, that's more along the lines of if you lose um, low frequency um, electrical stimulation. Uh, if you do that, you're going to have a release of feel-good chemicals uh, at the site of the injury or wherever you're needling. Um, you also can facilitate muscles that aren't moving well. So I've literally taken people that could move their big toe because they had a lumbar disectomy or a lumbar herniation and they could move their big toe and stimulated that specific muscle that attaches the big toe and made it move again and it became strong hmm. in an instant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on what you want to do with it. Uh, there's many, many different indications for dry needling. There are some contraindications too, like you can't be pregnant, you can't have just had a surgery within, you know, it's 12 weeks um, of having a surgery, you can't do it within the site, six weeks you can't do it with like around the area or lymphatic area, Um, there's there's many different things, Um, and then also anticoagulants, you can't really use it with that, but it is highly effective, I do it every day. You do dry needling every day. Every day. What is a common injury or reason for dry needling? Uh, so I'll do it a lot on lower back. Um, I do it in hip, uh, let's see, neck. Excuse me. Okay. More along like shoulders, uh, okay. like upper trap and, and that sort of thing up there. Um, forearms. I've even done feet. Um, okay. Like where the muscles of the feet get. So lower back, time. for example, mm-hmm. if 
What's the reason? Someone comes in and says, yeah. man, I have lower back pain. I'm having a hard time getting rid of it. Right. Or is there a particular type of lower back pain that you would dry needle for? Well, it depends, on the, injury. Assess- it depends on the assessment. Okay. Um, so assessment tells you what you need to do, right? Yep. So if you feel around you like the muscle's tight and it's very irritated and facilitated, um, facilitated means it's it's mad. Like the nervous system has said, okay, you need to tighten down the hole with all your might because like, mm. I'm afraid something doesn't need to move. And it's a lot of times we need to coax the body and say, it's okay, we're going to add a little bit of movement to it. Um, Hmm. but basically what we're doing is, um, for like, say a person with low back pain, we'll try to feel, okay, is it muscular? Um, is it a problem that's muscular? Is it a problem? And nine times out of, you know, nine times out of a hundred, anytime you have like a disc problem or something like that, muscles affected too, because it's right by it. Right. (laughs) Right? And it oftentimes catches a little bit of innervation from the, the segment that's affected. Uh, so if you say, for instance, like you have a multifidus, multifidus muscle that connects right by the spine, uh, and it can actually cause the spine to pinch down on one side. So if you have a disc that's bulging that way and the multifidus goes like this, you could be pushing that disc out a little bit farther mm-hmm. uh, and hitting the nerve even more. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes what I'll do is I'll needle the multifidus muscle, put the needle down in there, we'll stim it, get that to relax, and then all of a sudden their lumbar extension gets better. Um, and they have more range, and then they come off the table, and they go, ooh, that feels a lot better. So now when you say put the needle down in there, mm-hmm. is there anesthetics involved, no. or it's just a very small needle? Like, this sounds it's, painful. No, uh, it depends. <laughs> Sometimes they don't feel it. Okay. Uh, and it, it, it depends on, like, how they perceive pain, if they have loss of sensation or whatever. Um but like for, for like say a low back, most of the time people are going to feel it and they're like, Ooh. and it's like a quick, like, catch. like a pinch. Uh, uh, yeah. Like a pinch so, or like a bee sting or what's it feel like? I always tell people you like, you'll feel the tap and you'll feel pressure. And a lot of times you'll, you'll see their muscle go and it'll, it'll like catch real quick. It's a muscle twitch. It's an involuntary muscle response. They, they didn't do that on purpose. Okay. It's because you probably hit a motor point. Motor point's just a dense area of, of nerves. That that might twitch when the needle's in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll twitch, and if you piston, it might go boom, 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 and twitch. By piston, you just mean gently yep. in and in out. In and out. Mm-hmm. How when you go in and out, do you go in and out like an eighth of an inch, or do you go in and out like half of an inch? Like when you piston, how big is that piston? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds crazy, hey, man. If we're talking about I mean, if you're talking about a glute, sometimes it's you know not that far. It, it, it could be three or four inches. It could be. You'll it, put that needle three or four inches into a glute and then pull it back out three or four inches and put it back in. Maybe not quite that far, but, but one or like, two inches. Yeah. Could be like how, like super slow. So like so slow no, or no, like no, no, no. it's quick when you're pistoning, it's boom, 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 boom. It's like, it's pretty fast. It's, oh man, this is crazy. So you have, what does this needle look like? It's just acupuncture. I, I didn't bring you with me. It's a, it's like a fine. Think think like a, a threader's needle. Like like if you're sure. if you're a needle okay. and thread, like maybe a, I don't know, three quarters the size of that. It's tiny. Like and does any electricity go into there? If you hook it up, yeah. You so that's a way, mm-hmm. but no fluids go in there. No, no, it's this dry. Is just does not have a lumen. Well, it's dry needling, I guess you just right. said. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing behind this is we're going to introduce a foreign object to the right. muscle to to generate a response that that we're going to kind of hack the body. Yep. If we in, inject a foreign yep. object into the muscle, the muscle is going to react a certain way, and that's yep. going to be good for. That's going to be good for the problem you have. That's basically dry needling. Yeah. And do you, do you, um, 
do you like? How do you not injure the muscle from that? It's just because the needle's so small. Uh, well, I mean, you're creating a little micro trauma there, and but the thing about it is the thing is so small, and muscles are so vascular, right? You were talking about earlier the red. They're so vascular, they heal really good. So if you if you perforate the muscle, now I'm not going to just like beat it into oblivion, right? We're not right. Gonna, we're not going to make Swiss cheese out of this, yeah. thing, right? <laughs> You're talking about little bitty micro perforations, yeah. like that are there, and there's there's a lot of different like you know uh, to regenerate stem cells and knees. Sometimes they'll do micro micro fractures in the knee. Uh, it actually causes the body to release stem cells, which then regrow mm. cartilage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the little micro perforations, basically what it does is it introduces blood flow to the area. Sometimes what you'll have is the release of, actually you, you will get macrophages, which are the, the cells that come in and eat up the bad tissue that's, that's you know, dead or, or needs to be remodeled and things like that. And it will help to, re, it'll say, oh, we need to be aware of this area. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot that was there. Mm-hmm. And so the blood will then rush to the area. Um, and it will cause like a healing or something. You get nutrients that are coming in from new blood that are there. Sometimes the area just has has become, uh, I don't want to say hypoxic, but it can become acidic. That's, that's okay. the word I was looking for. Um, and based on uh, the acidity of it, it, it doesn't create an optimal environment for healing. Mm. Um, so that helps to restore pH balance. It can also um, reestablish the neuromuscular connection from the nerve to the muscle. Um, there's a the way nerves work, they, they release acetylcholine for, for muscles. They receive, they release acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. That's where the nerve meets the muscle. Um, it binds it to muscle. Then you have the, the muscle contraction. That's how it works. Okay. Right? Sometimes those nerves get leaky and they leak out acetylcholine. Then you have this not feeling thing. Mm. And it's called a trigger point. Um, mm-hmm. And so by perforating the muscle there or stimming it, whichever one, you can do both. Um, it actually causes the reuptake of acetylcholine at the uh, uh, at the synapse where mm-hmm. where the nerve meets the uh, um, muscle. What's the uh, what's it's not a term. I'm looking for the term here. A needle needle is the term. Like mm-hmm. a small or like a tack, but not a tack. I'm thinking of like a really very small, like a sewing needle. Yeah. Okay. A dry needle is probably not smaller than a sewing needle, right? Because yeah. a sewing needle is very tiny. Yeah. But if I just feel like if I would get a sewing needle. And stick it in my glute, for example. No, that's gonna hurt. Idea. Well, that's for of course, it doesn't. It's probably not a good idea. This is not a. <laughs> this is not a, like. Do not try this at home. But my point is, if I were to get a sewing needle and stick it in my glute, it would hurt. Yes. But if you dry needled it, somehow it wouldn't hurt. What's the difference? Well, it doesn't. I'm not saying it's gonna feel good. Okay. Right? <laughs> I, I had my hip done, and it 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 did not feel good. I had very tight muscles, and it actually did kind of hurt. Okay. Well, uh, on the front. Uh, it's actually in my glute in the back. In the uh, back. Yeah. Do you shut your eyes or like someone sticking a needle in your body? That is. Oh, you're face down. You can see it anyway. Okay. So. All right. So you're laying on a table mm-hmm. and someone's like, hang on, I'm going to get a dry needle, you know, hold on tight. And they <laughs> stick this. Obviously there's. It's a consent process. Involved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is no though, they're sticking a needle in your body. Yeah. Like in, there's no anesthetics yeah. involved. No. no, you don't need one. It's 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 a very small needle. It's not like the big giant needles they use to stick in your veins to draw blood. It ain't like that. So, but so okay. So clearly, look, I'm not at risk of getting a needle and sticking in my arm for fun. There's no part yep. of me that wants to do that. But theoretically, someone could do that, yep. and if they knew what they were doing and they had the right needle, someone could could stick a needle in the muscle on their own body at the right place, and it yep. could benefit them. Possibly, maybe. So, did you? So that explains why there's a magician 
um, named David Blaine who does all kinds of crazy stuff. And he sticks stuff through yeah. his body. Like he sticks stuff through. Oh, I know you're his, talking about. Yeah. You know, you know oh, yeah, who I mean? Yeah. Is that the same process? Because he mentioned something. It's not the same process, but he mentioned something about like when he sticks, he has stuck something through his, dang, I think it was straight through his stomach or something. It was mm-hmm. crazy. And he just mentioned if you do this, you have to do it slowly. And the body sort of, I guess, receives it decently. But if you do it quick, like that's going to be a problem. Mm. So <clears throat> when you're sticking a needle in the body, it's just the, the I'm just picturing like you got to kind of poke through the, ep- the outer layer. Yep. And once you poke, have poked through that, it's like, just like uh, it slides butter through. on like warm, like oh, a yeah. knife on warm butter. Yeah. It normally just slides right onto the muscle. Oh easy. man. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, uh, I'd love to like, I sort of like to experience it, but I'd be like super scared. I should have brought It's a fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I just, I've never, yeah, I don't know much about it. It just mm-hmm. seems crazy. It seems like an abuse of the human body. <laughs> um, well, um, you also had some, I think this was when we were texting or something. You had, did you have some thoughts on how MRIs happen and how they have to happen? Have to, have, the process is always, you're laying on your back and that yeah. can be a, a negative. I think you had some thoughts around that I wanted to ask yeah. you Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't mean to be time sensitive, but I do yeah. have, I have a lot, my last client of the day I might have to run to. But yeah. I'll, I'll how much time you question. got? We got to get you out of here? Yeah, I do. Right, but I'll we'll answer this question yep. though. Um, so uh, basically, MRI is a still image of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it basically captures you laying on your back um, in probably one of the most comfortable positions most people have with back pain or mm-hmm. even sciatica. They prop the legs up, they lay them down, and they stick them in the tube, right? Um, and the problem with that is, is it's not nothing's loaded, right? When do most people with sciatica and low back pain and everything hurt? Is it when they're laying down? Mm. Is it when they're standing up and I walking? See. Yep. And that's my question. Yep. And it's not to say that they're wrong because obviously there probably could be something there. Well, research shows us 50% of people my age and older are probably going to have something like a disc or a something in their neck or their back or their knee or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they're asymptomatic and they don't actually have pain. Yeah. So, yep. um, so yeah, it's it not necessarily, you're not, I always tell people you're not your MRI. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we look at people differently and more from a systems approach, we can understand that better yeah. and we can treat them better. That makes sense. So we got to get you out of here. What is, though, your kind of your advice to the everyday person as it relates to health and form and function and fitness and that type of thing? Like there's some common mistakes or just some good advice you leave people with? Really, I would tell you to focus on how you move. Um, how you move first. And uh, that's what I'm doing with this lady, actually, the lady I'm about to go work with. We're working on getting the biomechanics right first. Um, then from there, build your, like, that's your foundation. Then build off that foundation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Biomechanics, absolutely first. Don't, don't try to lift heavy first. Get your biomechanics right. So getting the biomechanics right, then you will naturally start building strength in your right face. Yep. Yep. Cool. Makes sense. Duh. Thanks for coming by. Yes, sir. I really appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah, thank you.